Let's go ahead and get started tonight. And uh, so I guess I better put my, and if I forget to look at my clock, let me know when it's about 20 minutes too. I know I have everybody looking at the clock for that one. So, but let's pray. Let's remember um, the police departments in Des Moines and Urbandale is the horrible losses that they had today. So Father, we just thank you that in all things we can put our trust and confidence in you. Uh, we thank you for these officers, that they were willing to give their life in service to their communities. We pray for their families, Father, that you would give them peace. Father, we pray for the um, brothers in blue that they worked with, that they would uh, comfort them, that you would comfort them and bring peace to them as well. And so, Father, we just pray for their protection and officers all over the state and the nation. Father, they, their job is pretty thankless, but we thank them and we appreciate them. And, Father, we just ask your blessing upon them. We ask you to bless this evening that that which is said here this evening will bring you glory and honor. We'll give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to... Colossians, we're in the second chapter, and we began uh, talking about this portion of Scripture last week, and we covered the first eight verses of the chapter. We're talking about living free in Christ alone, and tonight we're talking about victory through Christ. Um, in this portion of Scripture, Paul admonishes believers to realize that they are complete in Christ. And so this is what we're going to see through this whole portion of Scripture is how uh, we, are, we are complete in Christ, that uh, we were spiritually dead, but through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, we have, we have life. And it's all because of Christ and because of His completed works. And then it, it'll also go on, we'll also go on and we'll talk about the fact that uh, as speaking to the church in Colossae, Colossae, the Colossians, which applies to us as well, how they were given and encouraged in the fact that they have authority over principalities and powers. And that's because we are complete in Christ. It's not because of anything that we've done or anything that we've deserved. And, and that's why it's so, this portion of Scripture is so important to us because it gives us insight into what's really available to us through Christ. And so let's get started tonight. We're going to begin in verse 9 of chapter 2 of Colossians. And, um, you know, the title of this verse could be Undiminished Deity, you know, because Jesus set aside his deity. And it says here, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know, and even though Jesus... Um, set aside his deity, he didn't stop to be, stop from being deity. He is still God. He just set aside those attributes so that he could function as you and I. And, and it was a necessary thing that he, he did because the Bible says that, you know, Jesus was tempted at all things as you and I, yet without sin. And so anything that you and I have encountered or will encounter Jesus encountered the same thing and is victorious over it. And so what this shows us that in him, whatever it is that comes against us, we can be victorious over it uh, because of what Jesus has done for us. 
And so looking at this verse in the literal, for, or because, so because of him, because in him dwelleth, and that means to take, make, a, make a home there, take up permanent residence. In other words, uh, when we mess up, Jesus doesn't move out. He's taken up permanent residence in us. And so for or because in him dwells all the fullness, and it's in the Greek it's the plermina, and it's, a, it's in the noun form, and it means to fill a deficiency. So in Christ Jesus, we have the fullness, or the deficiency has been filled in our life. And didn't we talk about this a little bit last week, how all of us, we have deficiencies, and Jesus fills that. His fullness fills whatever is lacking in any of our lives. And so... For in him dwells all the fullness, or fills all the deficiency, of the Godhead bodily. And so, for the fullness, this is making reference uh, to God. It's in him that we find fullness. His righteousness, love, eternal life, and everything else that characterizes God, him, is in him. And so that's that's available to us. You know, if we feel a, a deficiency in the area of love, he fills that need, that void in our life. Oftentimes, you know, we may not feel righteous, but it isn't based upon our feeling. He is the fullness, or he fills that deficiency that we might have in our, in our lives. His deity was undiminished in the incarnation. In other words, he didn't become any less God. And so I'm sure you've heard the statement that Jesus is not 50% God and 50% man. He was 100% God and 100% man. And so within the incarnation or him becoming man, that didn't diminish who he was as God. He's still God. He'll always be God. He's the fullness of the Godhead. In verse 8, Paul tells us that man's wisdom, philosophy, and religion are empty and in vain. And so we see that all around us. We see men, people, wanting to depend upon religion. They, they're wanting to depend upon their own wisdom, whatever it may be, but it's, it's incomplete. And that's why the study of the person of Jesus is so important. I think we oftentimes just kind of take it for granted, Jesus is who Jesus is. But we, we really need to know who Jesus is. It goes back to what, when Jesus confronted Peter and he said, you know, he was saying to the disciples, you know, who do men say that I am? Some said Elijah, some said Jeremiah, some said, you know, one of the prophets. But Jesus said, who, who do you say that I am? And so for you to say who Jesus is, you've got to know personally who Jesus is. You have to know what he represents or what he is. You know, is he your healer? Is he your provider? You know, what is Jesus to you? That's what makes the difference. Jesus, for me, is my Savior. He's my baptizer. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my provider. But you know what? Just because he is that to me doesn't mean that that's what he means to you. He is that to you. 
But if you don't recognize him as that, he can't be that to you or for you in your life. And so that's why knowing the person of Jesus and knowing what he represents is so very important. That's why studying the scriptures is a lifetime activity for each and every one of us. It isn't something that we just do for a period of time. It is something that is for our entire life because God is so big, we'll never be able to fully comprehend and understand him. And by saying God, I mean Jesus. You know, that, that's how big he is. And so it'll be a lifetime of studying to come to that place to where we understand, to understand what Jesus has fully done for us. I don't know about you, periodically, you know, I'll, I'll read something or I'll hear somebody say something. And uh, I know I've read it before, you know, because, you know, for the last 20 years, I've had a read through the Bible reading that I go through. So I know that I've read the Bible and I can show you my little cards that I save every year. You know, so I know that I've done it at least that long every year. And some years I've read, read through parts of it more than once. But yet I'll come across something and it's, it's just like something about Jesus that I've never seen before. And it's like, it's the first time I've ever seen that, the first time I've ever heard that. That's what it's going to be for the rest of our life as we study the Word of God. Actually, that's what all of eternity is going to be. You know, because it's going to take all of eternity, which has no end, for us to be able to understand the fullness of God, which means we'll never understand it. But moving on to verse 10, it says, and here it says that we are complete. It says, for, for you are complete in him who is the head of all principal, uh, principality and power. Again, in the literal it says, and ye are, elemi, be, you are, and you do not uh, yet get any more that way. In other words, you're everything that you're ever going to be, you're never going to get to be more perfect than you are right now in your spirit. You know what this is talking about, first one that I ever heard use this terminology was an old teacher. I mean, he, he lived in, his books were from the 40s, I think. And his name was Watchman Nee. It's from China. And uh, he made this state, he, he, he had this teaching, it was about... Uh, your position positionally and um, experientially. Uh, positionally, we're in Christ Jesus right now. Positionally, where the Bible says we are seated at the right hand of Father God, positionally, we are there right now. Experientially, or what we've physically experienced, we've not experienced that yet. But we will one day. Positionally, Every one of us in this room were healed. Positionally, every one of us in this room, we are completely free of any bondage that could ever hold us back. Positionally, <clears throat> we are complete in Christ Jesus. Experientially, we've not experienced it all yet, but we will one day. But positionally, we're already there. <coughs> and this portion of Scripture, that's a, what it's talking about, it's talking about positionally where we are in Christ Jesus. And it's so important for us to begin to understand this. See, this is why religious people have a problem with the word of faith message. 
Because in the Word of Faith message, we call things that be not as though they were. And the reason that we're, we're able to do that is because positionally, we're already there, even though we've not experienced it yet in our life. And so religious people, they look at it and they say, well, <clears throat> you're not healed yet. Your nose is running, you're coughing, you have all this junk flowing out of your head. You know, you're, you're obviously not healed. Positionally, I am. Because it was taken care of 2,000 years ago when Jesus took those stripes upon himself. By the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. And so what we have to do, and this is why this portion of Scripture is so important, we've got to begin to see ourselves where we are positionally in Christ Jesus. Because once we begin to see that, then we begin to, we begin to walk it out in our lives. But we'll never walk it out until we see ourselves in that position. For you are complete. Plermo, plermo it's in the perfect middle position participle, which means to make full or complete. You have been made full. You've been made complete. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus done, has done. Because of what he's done in your life. Because it's in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In other words, all authority. It's because we are in him that we're complete. And so that's why it's so important for us to understand. Complete here is in the perfect tense. It means from the past to the future, you are complete. Nothing lacking. Absolutely nothing lacking. I believe it's the Amplified there where it talks about complete, where it says nothing. How, how does anybody read in the Amplified? What does it say there? Okay, but it's not in that. It was at verse 10? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it doesn't say that in the Amplified. <laughs> but I know in other places where it's talking about, it talks about how incomplete, nothing missing, nothing broken. Well, that's peace, but it's, it's the same. You know, it, because it's in Him that we experience those things. We may... <clears throat> We grow in knowledge and understanding of Him. Why is knowledge and understanding important? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to lean on Him. But you can't lean on Him in an area that you're not aware of. I went to church for 24 years of my life and wasn't born again. Heard the Word every Sunday. You know, went through confirmation, went through all the stuff. But when I was 24 years old, for the first time, I heard the Gospel because somebody presented the word to me. And the interesting thing was the following Sunday I went to the same church that I'd always gone to and I heard the gospel. But for 24 years of my life I didn't hear it. It was there. But I, I, I wasn't able to hear it because I didn't have the understanding of what was being shared because what was being shared was brought to me from a totally different context. It was brought me, to me from a context well because, you know, <clears throat> You know, I was raised in the church and a little water was sprinkled on my head as a baby. Everything's hunky-dory. But it wasn't until then that I heard that you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, for then you shall be saved. 
You see, God didn't have any grandkids. He only has children. And to be somebody's child, you have to be born to them. And so we must be born again into the family of God. And so maybe your parents served God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength. They, they knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that they were saved. But you know what? <clears throat> that doesn't carry over to us unless we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You know, and, and so let's believe. And so we need to be complete as Christ is in deity, yet inside he's a human body. We are complete in our spirit, even though we're still in this human body. I didn't make that very clear. Jesus is complete. Even when he walked on the earth in a human body, his deity was complete because he is the Son of God. We get born again spiritually. We are new. We are complete, but we're still living in this human body. But our spirit man is still complete. The moment that you're born again, your spirit man is as complete as your spirit man will ever be. You're whole. Every one of the graces and blessings of God have been released in your spirit man. You are complete. Even though we're living in our physical bodies, our drawback is that we're living in this physical body and we've learned to listen to our mind. And that's why it tells us in Romans 12 too that we have to renew our minds by the word of God. And so what does that mean? We've got to think differently. We've got to stop thinking in line with the physical and begin to think in line with the spiritual. And you see, that's where the conflict takes place. But that's also where the victory is going to come from. And so this is where positional truth comes into play. We've got to see ourselves, our spirit man, we've got to see where we are positionally complete in Christ. And, and people say, well, you know, if somebody begins to think that way, they're going to get extremely arrogant and they're going to get proud. Not if they're looking at it properly. Because if you're looking at it properly, you realize it has absolutely nothing to do with you. I have absolutely nothing to be proud or arrogant about because I had nothing to do with it. It was, it was all Jesus. And so positional truth. Freedom demands, I, I, I like this, you know, because... This goes into play with how you mark your ballot on Tuesday. <laughs> because you're all going to mark the ballot, right? Unless you've already done it. But listen to this. I think, I think this is profound. Freedom demands security. And our security is in the knowledge of God's Word. But just think about that. Freedom demand security. If you don't have security, you don't, you don't have freedom. You know, down in Urbandale today, uh, the citizens of Urbandale, there was a period of time they didn't have freedom. They closed the school down. They closed roads down. Um, they encouraged people to stay in their houses because they were searching for an indivi individual. Because there was no security, it interrupted their freedom. 
And the same thing is true in a general sense, where there is no security, and that's why security is such a dire need for freedom to be able to flourish, because you can't have freedom where there isn't security. Well, the same thing is true in our spiritual walk with God. There, there must be security if we're going to walk in freedom in our life. And so there's a whole lot of Christians that are not secure. And so if you visit with them, if you talk with them, what you will find is that they don't have any freedom in their life. They're bound up because they have no security. And the reason they don't have security is they don't have knowledge of the Word of God. The, the knowledge of the Word of and I'm talking about the Word of God here. I'm not talking about knowledge of religion. I'm talking about knowledge of the Word of God will produce greater freedom in your life. People say, well, you know, Pastor, I just don't want to get too spiritual, you know. <laughs> you get too spiritual and, you, you, you know, it starts to bind you up and you can't, you can't do stuff. Well, yes, you can. You just don't want to do that stuff. Because he changes you on the inside of him. But there's, there's true freedom there. You know, I have, I have total freedom if Friday night I want to go out and hang one on. But I don't want to. I've done it in the past. I know the consequences. I don't want anything to do with it. Because I'm free in Jesus. And so what that means, I'm free to be happy without that. A lot of people need that in their life to cover up their true feelings in life. I want my feelings to come forth because I'm free in Jesus. Freedom tells us our security is that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Think about that. That's security. You know, and we have a society that doesn't have that security. No man... No man, think about this, no man can pluck you out of his hand. The only way that I can be removed from the presence of God is if I choose to walk away. And I happen to think I'm pretty stupid if I do that. I have absolutely no intentions of doing that. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. That comes from Galatians. Stand in the liberty. You know, we, we talk about when temptation comes our way and you stand against it or you're, you're standing for something. When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Don't be moved. But let me give you another area where we need to stand in a positive sense. Christ has set you free. Stand in that liberty. Don't allow anything, anyone, to steal that liberty from you. Because it's our responsibility and to stand up and say, that belongs to me, for I am in Christ. We are complete in Him. That's what we've been talking about. We've been, we're, we're complete in Christ Jesus, in our position in Him. Now, I've given you a whole lot of Scripture passages there that you can look up, and it's talking about our positional, positional truth, what we have in Christ Jesus. Um, don't allow anything to steal that from you. You know, we, we, through this teaching, we've been talking about election and, and uh, predestination. 
But that, that all has to do, and that's why oftentimes it's difficult for us to understand it, because it all has to do with positional truth. It's not talking about what I'm experiencing right now. Every one of us have been predestined to live in the, the abundance, the victory that's been made available to us in Christ Jesus. We've been predestined to that. That's what we're called to. We've been elected to walk in that. And everything around us tries to tell us just the opposite of that. And that's where we've got to lean, if you will, on that position that we have in Christ Jesus. I just want to, before we move on to the next verse, I want to talk about, just, just read through some real quickly some of these uh, positional truths that we walk in right now. We share the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's positional truth. It's not based on whether you feel righteous or not. You are righteous because of what Jesus has done. We share his life. Because of Christ, we're alive in him. Apart from him, we're dead. We share his election. We share in his sonship. We share his heirship, the inheritance. This is all because we're in him. We're in Jesus. And so, <clears throat> you know, Brother Hagin, years back, he had this mini book. I don't know if we still have any of them around or not. We, if we don't, we need to pick some up. But the title of it is, In Him. And in, in that book, in, in the epistles, there's 133 different scripture passages that make reference to being in Him, in whom, in Christ. And all of it is telling, every time you see that in your scriptures, in Him, that means that's who you are. And so, you know, when, when I first got saved and got a hold of the word of faith and so forth, I'd read through my Bible and every time I'd see an in Him, or in Jesus, or in Christ, or in Him, in whom, I would, I would put it in yellow. And so every time that I read through those epistles, I would see it immediately. And that would remind me, that's who I am. You need to be reminded who you are in Christ Jesus, positionally, where you are. Because it's, it's so very, very important. Um, we share His sanctification. You're sanctified. Jehovah Med Kadesh, he's your sanctifier. You are sanctified in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means positionally, you're as holy as you're ever going to get. Now it's to be walked out. It's to be demonstrated differently. But that's where we are right now. We share in his kingdom. We're of his kingdom right now. We're aliens here. We're just simply passing through. We share his priesthood. All of this is who we are in Christ Jesus. Verse 11. In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made with hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In him. Literally it says in whom. And that's talking about Christ. Also, you were circumcised in the circumcision made without hands. This isn't talking about physical circumcision. In the Old Testament, they, the, the men were circumcised. It was a removal. It was to represent the removal of the flesh. Well, thank God we're in the new covenant. Amen. Amen. 
You know, and so it's not, thank God, you know, in a lot of other ways as well. But in, in the topic at hand, thank God because the circumcision of the New Testament is not just for men. It's for men and women. And so there's, there, there's no chauvinistic attitude here. And what that means is that the flesh has been cut off. What does that mean? That means you've died to the flesh and you've been resurrected in Christ Jesus. You see, when, when, when sin wants to come against you, you know your number one line is? I'm dead to that. Why? Because you died in Christ Jesus and you've been resurrected to newness of life. And so those things that are dead in your life, they're passing away, but you've been resurrected into newness of life, into, into something that's far, far better than what we could have ever asked for. So the potential of this circumcision of the new covenant, it represents the new life, which is all the grace of God that has been made available and poured out in each of our lives. And so it means that we can walk in it. You see, we, we've got to get out of our vocabulary. You know, I, I want to serve God, but I can't. I want to hear from God, but I can't. I want to, I, you know, I, I know that God says this, but I just can't do it. We, we need to just get that out of our vocabulary right now. You know, years back, uh, years back, I heard this, uh, uh, there, there's this guy, his name is Norval Hayes. And Norval, he's still alive today, actually. I see him on Facebook periodically, you know. But uh, he, was, he was just a wild man. You know, I mean, we'd go to camp meeting and there'd be a demon that would show up and Brother Hagen would always send Norval Hayes over to cast it out because, you know. And, but, but Norval Hayes had this Bible school in, in uh, Tennessee. Um, Cleveland, Tennessee, I think it is. And... Uh, <clears throat> uh, they were having a, a, a gathering, and uh, he got up to begin to minister. And so he, he looked to this girl in the front row, and he says, uh, get up and play the piano. And so he keeps ministering, and she didn't get up. He says, um, come on, let's get up and play the piano. And so she got up, and she started to play the piano. And all once she started playing the piano, and everybody in the audience just went completely nuts. And Norval didn't know what was going on. And so finally he says, what, what's going on? What, what, what's, what's all the excitement? He says, well, she's playing the piano. And he says, yeah, I told her to. He says, yeah, but she doesn't play the piano. And so he says, so why'd you come on and play the piano? And he, she says, well, you told me to. And she says, but you didn't tell me you didn't play the piano. And you said, we could never tell you we couldn't. So she got up and she Play the piano. I wouldn't recommend that on a Sunday morning that you have somebody come up and play the piano. But let me tell you something. We limit. We limit ourselves because we say we can't. Let me tell you something. God says you can. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I wouldn't recommend a lot of you play the piano on a Sunday morning. You know, but we can do a whole lot more than we think we can because we depend upon what we can do experientially rather than what we can do positionally in Christ Jesus, in whom Christ also you were circumcised in the circumcision not made with hands, in the putting off. See, what that represents is the putting off of sin. 
And the old covenant was to represent their putting off of the old. We've got the circumcision of the heart, which is the putting off of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And so we're not just dead to the old, we're alive to the new because we're alive in Christ Jesus. And because we're alive in him, nothing can stop us, nothing can hold us back. Verse 12, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. The literal buried with him in or by means of baptism. Why do we baptize? <coughs> baptism is an outward expression of what's already taken place inwardly. So you're not saved in water baptism. You're saved when you're baptized into Christ. In fact, this, this portion of scripture right here, where it's talking about baptism, buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working. That, that baptism there isn't talking about water baptism. It's talking about when you're born again, you're baptized or you're immersed in Christ. See, <clears throat> when the Bible talks in, in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, where it talks about the elementary principles of Christ, there's six of them. Um, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, instructions on washings, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. You know, but instruction on washings, that's the word baptisms. And it's plural. And the reason that it's plural is that in the New Testament, it talks about more than one baptism. It talks about being baptized into Christ, that's salvation. It's talking about water baptism when it's an outward expression of what's taking place inwardly. It's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's also talking about the baptism of fire and so forth. But, but here it's talking about when we are immersed in Christ, we're buried with Christ, and we're raised with Him into newness of life. Buried with him by means of baptism is the areas passive participle having been baptized in him. So that's what it's saying. It says, having been baptized into Christ, <clears throat> you are raised with him through the faith or the operation, the operational power of God who has raised him from the dead. And so we, we died in Christ, we were raised in Christ in a newness of life. And so it's not about us, it's about us being in him, that it, it makes all the difference in our life in the world. And once again, I've got a whole lot of scriptures there that you can look up for yourself because it talks about Jesus, how prophetically he spoke of this and how Ephesians talks about this but how we need to see that positionally, that's where we are. Positionally, we've died with Christ and we've been raised or we've been resurrected with him into newness of life. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your 
your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having uh, forgiven you all your trespasses. And so, and you, plural, all believers, it's talking about all believers, anybody that doesn't fit into this category is not a believer, being dead, referring to spiritual death, it's not talking about us having been physically dead, it's talking about that we were spiritually dead in your, in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh so the flesh was alive, the old man, hath he quickened, or quickened means brought to life or given life. We were given life. We were spiritually dead, and through Christ Jesus, we were, we were given life, having forgiving, given, or been graced of all of our forgiven of all of our trespasses. So again, it's not because we've done something. It's the forgiveness of sin is a result of the grace or the goodness of God. First is Jesus. We die in him. We're resurrected in him in a newness of life that we might be able to walk in the victory that's truly ours through him. The first thing God did for us through Jesus was he made us alive. The second thing that he did to, for us through Jesus was simultaneously forgive us of all of our sins, past, present, future. I was reading a book and it was talking about the cross and Jesus' suffering on the cross. And it talked about how Jesus didn't sin, but Jesus became sin. And he didn't just become sin, he became all sin. And so it's talking about how every sin of everybody that lives today and that has ever lived up until this point in time, what are there, seven billion people on the earth, something like that? It's a bunch of folk. And they figure that's about the same number that has lived prior to this. And Jesus, at that moment, took upon himself all that sin, every sin that you and I have committed, and every sin that we ever will commit was poured out on Jesus. And he did it for us. And so he not only raises from the dead, but all of our trespasses, all of our sins have been forgiven as well. Well, we got a ways, but we're going to have to stop there. And... Uh, so hang on to your notes. We'll finish up those last couple verses and might review a couple of them because we went through them pretty quickly. Um, but then we'll, we'll pick up there next week.